What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Biomast episode 110. Uh, I am Bait, your host for this evening, uh, piloting the tank. Um, we got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, we're going to go over E3 uh, for the most part, and then maybe some uh, some smaller things later in the show. So with that out of the way, uh, we're going to roll into introductions, and we'll start at the bottom of the list. So, Pokey. What's up? I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations. I uh, obviously help co-host the show, and I write from the blog occasionally, and I will unfortunately be taking off a little bit early, so hopefully we can get some, some good discussion before I got to bounce. And Libby? Hi, I'm Libby. I'm blogger, gamer. Yay. And Jay? Yeah, I'm Jason, and I'm one of the uh, the erstwhile co-hosts here of the uh, the outward-facing part of the Biomass Media Empire, and I'm kind of digging into the memory warehouse here. So we're on episode 110. I think the only thing I can come up, I, I don't know the periodic table for 110 on this one. I, I feel somewhat nerdly bad for that one, but I think there were 110 floors on uh, the World Trade Center uh, in New York, one, the one that was crashed by little bearded savages. Um. Jay, how would you not know about the uh, amazing element Darmstadtium? The, uh, it, you, you have no idea how long ago it's been since I tried to memorize the periodic table. I like most of those I pull out of my head. It's like because I can remember like a mnemonic about them. Uh, let's see, one ten, one ten, one ten. That's like Darman and Greg, right? Darman Stadium, yeah, Darman Stadium, yeah. All right then. For the record, I didn't remember it. I, I googled it, but oh man, <laughs> you're killing me, dude! <laughs> I'm, I'm over here like trying to like actually burn mental calories for this one. <laughs> okay, then. Anyway, I'm Heracles Porsche. Uh, I have a YouTube, and believe it or not, I am still releasing Dust Five One Four footage. Woo! Hashtag relevancy. Hey, Anzo. Uh, I'm Sarazel. Um, I'm here. Um, I'm kind of awake. I've actually been asleep more than I've been awake this weekend. So, um, hi everyone. Good morning. Um, and, and that's that's me. And bets are now being taken uh, up for to see if Zell falls asleep during the show. Might happen. Legit. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, with introductions out of the way, E3 was uh, this past week. I just want to get a uh, uh, everybody's general uh, thoughts on E3 this year. I actually have games that made it to my wish list of things I want to buy after this year's E3. Such as? All of them. No, just a lot more than last year. Um, as I'm mentioned, I'll be, I'll be playing Titanfall 2. I'll probably buy the new Call of Duty against my better judgment. Um, the Legend of Zelda game, of course. Uh, Mass Effect... Um, and uh, who knows what else by the time that uh, they actually come out. So that new Titanfall game, do you think that that's going to... Um, well, because didn't the first Titanfall like have a spike of players the first couple of months after it came out on PC, and then nobody played the multiplayer? Or I should say the game. It, it was only multiplayer, so you know it, you had to play multiplayer. <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean the thing with first... drop off. It like always it does. Happen. I mean, that's first-person shooters in general. Like, on PC, we have so many first-person shooters that come out, you you get to play a new first-person shooter for, like, three to six months at most, and then it's gone in favor of some other game. That's okay. a fair statement. Why Call of Duty, though? Why not the superior Battlefield 1? Because I don't like the Battlefield franchise and never have. The trailer looked good, though. I, I, I will say that. The trailer looked really cool. So what don't you like about Battlefield? I've just never had fun playing one. I've tried. I've tried a few different Battlefield games, and I just haven't found it enjoyable. Yeah, fair enough. Anybody else? E three. Um, so I I had a couple ones. Like I I thought generally it was a pretty decent E three, even though like some of the bigger uh, uh, like the bigger studios weren't in it. They were kind of like uh, kind of do you know doing their own sort of cons, you know, sort of uh, at this time of the year, which is kind of starting to be the trend. But there was some news made. I think they they made a little bit of hardware news with the uh, the PS four. Or PS4.5 and a little bit in the, the Xbox news, uh, a little bit of the N Nintendo news. So that that was kind of good. I don't think any of that was unexpected. In terms of the games, though, it was kind of an I I would say it was a bit of a mixed bag. There's it's gotten to the point where there's a lot of things that look great, have great concepts, or at least very very interesting or intriguing concepts. But it's you know because we're not there like we didn't you know we didn't send anybody to e, you know to E3 to actually get like either hands on or get like a real like in person reaction to it it's really tough to get a judge of it um 
I, I, I will probably get the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare only, only purely off the strength of that trailer and the fact that they had a killer remix of, uh, of, uh, some David Bowie music on it. So I can kind of, that, that roll trailer, that. the most hated trailer to ever grace YouTube. It, maybe, but it was really good. No, it's, it's yeah. no, maybe it's the, the dislike count is, is like world record setting. Are you looking at the same thing I'm looking at? Because that's not what I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I saw that and I was like, whoa, this this looks really badass. Then I was like, Call of Duty. It's like, oh, oh my god, I've been taking shit. I feel dirty now because I thought that it was <laughs> it was a badass trailer. Like it was, it, and I I don't know if that you know is actually indicative of what the real game will look like, but that was a bomb ass trailer. Like it was very impressive. And Call of Duty too, I think, uh, over these past couple of iterations, is starting to do some really, some really interesting things, uh, mechanic-wise. Um, you know, a couple of years ago with, uh, I think it was Advanced Warfare, they introduced the uh, the jump jets, um, and maybe wall running, but and wall running for sure, obviously. That was yeah. all. That was all copying Titanfall. It, it totally was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just see what you're talking about, Heracles. Like, I, I'm still trying to figure out why that, why, why this thing's got th- almost three million dislikes. It was a I killer trailer. Really- I think it was because the Battlefield One trailer had either had like just come out either the day before or a few hours before. Either way, I thought it was or killer. And, and what I what I personally got a, a t- maybe it's you know from my own shattered past here, but uh, I find it humorous that they are putting out Project Nova way before CCP is. Did you guys uh, get that? Yeah. Well, it's it's like. It's not just like Project Nova. It's like yeah, it's like beating CCP at their own game. It's yeah. like you, you you get in your Valkyrie ship and you fly over and you jump oh my out. God, dude, I saw that. I, yeah, I mean, I, they they even had the the uh, Battlestar Galactica style like launch cannon tube thing for the that that Valkyrie has. I, I would I would have to say that in terms of like the trailers that I saw, that was generally I think the like the better the best one. I, and the Battlefield one was really really good. Um, it, it was because I like that. I'm interested in Battlefield One. I'm not a huge Battlefield fan, but uh, I just never kind of got into it. But I do, I do think that uh, because it's doing like kind of a, a different take on the first-person shooter genre, like a different sort of setting. I think that'd be kind of cool. And it, and I would say that if if Call of Duty can pull off Infinite War, Warfare and they can handle the mechanic, the different kind of mechanics fairly smoothly, they will have literally done what at least a dozen other other games have tried to do or have been selling themselves they're going to they're, they're try to do um, before any of them. Now, whether you like Call of Duty or not, you could like change the name of this thing and call it whatever, and it would probably be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see how... Uh, is it Infinity Ward or Activision that's making this one? But whoever it is, you know, how they deal with and uh, how they execute the, uh, the little Valkyrie-esque uh, space dogfighter thing yeah no I'm, I'm pretty keen for it the um so that one was pretty good uh let's see uh the, there's a couple other other ones that kind of caught my eye R- real quick before we kind of go off of you know looks good but you know in, in the words of uh the immortal who won't get fooled again uh my homage to ubisoft for honor which is the the viking samurai like medieval knight crusader game What's again that, yeah. looks really cool has a lot of neat elements to it, but I I have been burned so many times by Ubisoft on looks good, sounds good, plays like shit. I I've, I'm definitely going to wait until till there's some third party reviews of this one before I even come near it. What is that for honor about? Is it just a what is it? I think literally it, it's a big. It's like a third person, you know, like a third person melee combat game that kind of touts like large MMO style battles. Uh, I don't remember if they said how many people can be in a, in a single fight, but it's supposed to be a, a fairly large number. Uh, yeah. And you, and you literally, it's literally like, you know, somebody did like deadliest warrior from like, you know, spike TV. And they said, do, Vikings, do crusaders and do samurai and then put them all together. That's literally what the game looks like. Oh dude, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it, who's doing that? Is it Ubisoft you said? Yeah. Um, uh, the other the other ones that hit me up like so the ones that I think that actually I'm I'm really really keen to see more about and actually want to kind of uh, get after a little bit uh, I thought the God of War trailer and the and the gameplay footage was was unique only in that I we had not seen that setting again they are basically taking I think the ideas of the property 
and trans and, and literally lifting it into an entirely new realm or setting, probably with some similar conventions. Yeah, into so, uh, Norse mythology. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's, so. That's I assume that what we're going to see is God of War Vikings edition, uh, which could be kind of interesting. It'll be a, a neat take on it, and they're kind of breaking away from the traditional Kratos character. It seems like so. I'm not really sure if in the game you play the uh, you know, the big warrior that you saw that like the Kratos looking guy with sands like chain blades, or if you're actually going to play the boy, you know, at some point later. You know, I'm not I'm not clear, but it looked good. Uh, seemed like it played fairly interesting. You know, kind of had the big boss fights, which are you know really indicative of that series. So I, I was I was intrigued. I'm, I'm interested to know more. Just mainly because I absolutely love the God of War series. That was like a, that was like a game changer, like no pun intended for, for video games. Um, there was a couple other ones. There are smaller titles that I was really keen on. Uh, one, it's called Becoming Human. I don't know if you guys saw that one. That one, that one looks really interesting. If you kind of like the story driven games for the telltale style games, um, Becoming Human is you basically play a, like a, an Android detective and you're trying and you, you front load all the way into a scene where you see another Android like holding like a child hostage on a rooftop and the scene goes horribly bad. Uh, and then you basically replay the investigation all the way up to that point to see if you can come up with a different outcome. Uh, so so. It, it's not, it's not a very action. I don't, it doesn't appear to be an action driven game, more of a, you know, I, I would say probably a hyper, a hyper puzzler uh, or, you know, deduction style game. So it'll be, you know, probably a ton of character, uh, character dialogue options, stuff like that to help you get to where you want to go. So I'm kind of intrigued to see how that would work, how how that one would work. Um, And then the last one was Necropolis, which we've talked a little bit about on the show a couple of times with uh, Hairbrain. That, that got like rave reviews at E3 when you like start digging into, you know, like kind of best in show type stuff. That thing's apparently looking really, really good uh, for something coming out of a fairly small studio out of Seattle. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call it right now on that God of War thing. You're going to be able to play as both Kratos and the and his kid. And now, is that Kratos? Is is that like? <laughs> no, yeah, that that's Kratos. I, I I think what what this God of War um, game and or series should they choose to go their route is literally just going to be God of War. I think, as you said earlier, God of War thrown into north uh, norse mythology yeah see i what wasn't clear to me if if i assumed because he did the little spartan rage thing that 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 yeah. was you know sort of like you know kratos turned human at the very end of everything uh, and he's he's like you know piss on it i'm walking north till i can't walk anymore and he like lands in viking land um that was my assumption but then what i started wondering was is maybe is maybe this, this just like a it's almost like a, a an archetypical, like an like a trope or something that goes through different uh, different venues where there's like a Kratos in the Viking mythology, and then there's a Kratos in like what would be cool, like maybe the Egyptian mythology or you know that you know that kind of thing as you walk yourself around. It'd be really cool. I mean, it uh, it kind of does set itself up to do that, especially if if this works. Um, so we'll we'll see what the future has to offer on that front. Then I suppose. Yep. Um, so that, those are really the big takeaways, a little bit of hardware news and, and again, a lot of really good looking software, but quite a few of them, I'm still kind of in the, I'm going to wait and see mode, uh, until I can like put my hands on it in the beta or something like that. And there's a few, few gems in there that I'm, I'm really keen on. So I, I would say overall good, good E3, uh, uh, probably as good as I would have expected it to be, uh, since they usually try to make a little bit of news there. Yeah. All right. Anybody else E3? Legend of Zelda game is going to be awesome. Yeah, that one looked pretty pretty solid. Um, the, I thought that the woman playing it when they were doing the commentary was absolutely hilarious. Because um, like, okay, well you can you can sneak around here and get these guys. She's like, I'm going to kill all of them and start shooting all the the goblins in the face. It was it was hilarious. Um, yeah, is that, that going to come out for the Wii U and the NX or just yes, the NX? Yes, it's supposed what? to be oh, for okay. both. Okay. So they're kind of doing a. Twilight Princess, where it's going to be really a Wii U game, but also ported to NX. Okay. Probably. Okay. Hopefully they won't have to do any weird concessions between the two games to make it work, like uh, Twilight Princess's Wii mirrored the entire map to to make uh, 
to make uh, Link <laughs> right-handed. Right. Yeah, no, the, the Legend of Zelda looks really badass. It kind of had a nice... Uh, maintain the art style, but definitely made it feel next-gen, um, which is a lot of what we see coming out of, you know, the, the more cartoonish-style franchises that are long-running, where they, they really do maintain it, but they kind of give it that pearly glow to it. Uh, it reminded me a bit of, actually, like, Mario Galaxy when it came out, um, but obviously much higher resolution. It was the NX at E3 at all? No, as far as I know. Yeah, I think the only one that really actually brought the hardware was, was the Xbox uh, S, and then the, the mention of the Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to, to see how that Scorpio plays out in relation to the, the Neo. Um, the yeah. where the, the Project Scorpio is essentially the 4K Xbox. Uh, yeah, okay. sort yeah. of. I'm not really sure. They, they they were kind of hush hush about what they were they were saying. I know the Xbox One S is the equivalent of the PlayStation Neo, and then the Scorpio is something coming out. I think they said late 2017. That is oh, okay. a, a, another console, but I'm not sure what they mean by that yeah, exactly. That's what I was kind of kind of confused on is if it was going to be a brand new console, or if it was just going to be a reskinned uh, Xbox One that you know could play on compressed 4K. Yeah, it, it's weird. Um, I, I know it is going to be completely backwards compatible with Xbox One games, so I, I guess if you want to upgrade, there's really no loss. But uh, I'm curious to see because it's obviously quite a, a short cycle. Usually, you see more of a 10 year cycle on these things, and that's it's not even close to that yet. So I'm kind of curious if they come out with that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, how go ahead. No, I, I'm just kind of wondering if this is their way of trying to say, hey, we got to the next gen before Sony did, even though it, it may not actually be. I'm not entirely sure what the specs of this are going to look like. If I hope it doesn't turn into this thing where they're releasing a new console you know, every two years because they upgraded little tidbits rather than an actual large package. I think that get really Did, did really they say what the uh, memory is going to be on that? No. Um, not on the Scorpio, so. at least. I think they, they, they might have released specs on the... Uh, the Xbox One S, but uh, I, I didn't follow yeah, that one. Yeah, if they can on. make something with like more than a terabyte, I'd I'd probably pick that up at some point. Um, I I'm not sure. Um, I know that the Scorpio will have obviously uh, native 4K and will be VR ready um, next fall. As far as pricing, though, I thought I saw something, but um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I might be checking out that remastered Skyrim if it's the, the moddable oh, thing. Yeah. It, it, it is moddable. Um, that's going to launch October with with mod support. On I would really, Xbox I would really like to know if it's like all the previous. I mean, I'm excited for any mods, regardless. But I mean, imagine like all the huge, ridiculous library of PC mods being on console. I would, I'd go nuts in a good way. Mm, I don't think so but i'm not sure i know with um with fallout mods for console they were saying that um they were going to have to be um vetted by bethesda i guess to um to to stay within um the the esrb's rating of the game um but for visual overhaul stuff i'm not entirely sure to be honest with you yeah, I imagine you can probably suspect a lot of them will be backwards compatible, but the way that that's going to work is is kind of up in the air. Like uh, like Bates said, it's going to be a lot like the Fallout 4 mods that are coming soon, mm-hmm. um, where you, you kind of develop it on PC, and then you upload to the Bethesda servers, and then you can download it for your console. Right. Um, this is obviously nothing new for PC players, but for people who don't have access to a gaming PC, this is, is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, typically mods are were always kind of reserved for a PC-only fan base, but uh, I think it'll it'll definitely help them on their, their console offerings, because they can, you know, mods obviously bring a lot of interest to the game, and you can make games last a lot longer, because you can mod this and try that and do all kinds of crazy stuff that you normally wouldn't be able to in the normal scope of the game. So I think that overall, this trend is is quite good um, in, for, for console gaming in general, and I, I kind of do hope the other production studios kind of kind of hop on it, because I was pretty shocked when I heard about the Fallout one, and then when they said they're remastering Skyrim for PS4, I was like, well, shit, they're, are they going to have mods? I'm like, and it comes with mods. I'm like, oh, okay, there you go. You know, um, definitely a good thing to see. Um, and like I said, great for people who don't have a gaming PC. They can kind of experience some of the the really, really cool stuff that you see coming out of the uh, Skyrim uh, PC community. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I, I will say, good, good on Bethesda 
uh, for not screwing over PC players with this. Um, a lot of PC players I were talk I was talking with were like, oh, well, I mean, I can do that on my on my PC already. Um, so I think what Bethesda is going to do is, if you own the Legendary Edition of Skyrim uh, on Steam, then when uh, when the remastered Skyrim hits, uh, you're just going to be able to upgrade to the to that from your Legendary Skyrim edition. Really? They they said yes. that? Yep. Oh, yeah. that's that's badass. Then I've already got it. Yeah. Yeah. So good on Bethesda on, on that front. Uh, oh, Olivia cool. Heracles E uh, three. I uh, I think I've I've already mentioned Skyrim thing. That's it. Ah, that's right. Okay. Anything else? Uh, Livy and I got a chance to try out the uh, Resident Evil 7 demo. Um, yeah, for PS4. I was just about to mention that, but it's not until 2017. I can't wait that long. The demo was pretty badass, though, don't you think? Yeah, you know, the fourth time going through. Yeah, see, I'm too much of a wuss to actually play it by myself, so I made her <laughs> sit there and, and play it with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, for those of you familiar with the, the Resident Evil series, it's, uh, it had gotten increasingly action-y. Um, like, 4 was, 4 was fantastic. It was the first one I hopped on. And then 5 started kind of turning into this overly combat system, and then 6 was completely ridiculous, some of the stuff that happened. Like, you're charging through the streets of... Uh, Europe with a machine gun and it turns into a cover shooter. Like it, it was just absolutely dumb. <laughs> like six, six has it has its positives, but it definitely really drifted very far away from the roots of the series. And then seven comes out, and when I saw the seven trailer, um, it reminded me a lot of PT, which was the demo that came out. Basically, that if you managed to get through the demo, it showed you a trailer for. Um, the Silent Hills game that uh, Hideo Kojima was working on that ultimately got canceled, but uh, it was this, like, you're literally creeping around this creepy um, uh, house, and you're, it's all in first person, and it's just, like, corpses everywhere, you're unarmed, you've got no idea what's going on, there's no HUD, it just says, get out of the house. That's the only instructions you have, pretty much. And at first, I'm watching the trailer, and I'm like, oh, this is... Is this Silent Hills? I thought they canceled this. Okay. Um, and then it comes up with VII. I was like, what the hell? And then it, the, the, the text kind of pans in and it says Resident Evil 7. It was like, holy shit. Like, this is such a departure from where the series was going before that they went like, this is the biggest 180 I've ever seen a franchise go in. I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. The trailer was, or the, the demo itself was was pretty freaky i mean don't you think libby i mean i think uh, they learned their their lesson i think they scrapped all the devs from resident evil 6 and were like let's go i mean i've been playing since the original resident evil so to see it it's not actually turning to something else they're actually kind of going back to where they should have went in the first place but um yeah random things if you guys ever play it there's just some things that you you do and get in the demo that's going to leave you more confused than anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's actually multiple endings um we managed to find two of them there's supposedly more than that but uh i think we discovered pretty much everything more or less that the reddit community had found but there's random items that you know seem to have a purpose, but I can't figure out what they're for. If they trigger something, like it definitely keeps the the classic Resident Evil puzzle where you're you're basically scrounging around digging through stuff to find random parts, and you go, okay, well, maybe this will open the door, and you go to open the door, and then you get stabbed in the back. Um, <laughs> so the, the the demo was like, I think we played like five or six times trying to find different ways to do things and and settle on the fact that we only got through two of the endings. I don't know how I feel about that, about having these demos that have multiple endings. It seems like something I've noticed is becoming more of a more of a thing slowly, it, I guess. It could be them, like, uh, I think it was Resident Evil 2, that you could go through and play multiple times and some things would change in the game. And I'm wondering if they're just trying to put an example out that you know it's not going to be a one-time run through you're going to miss things or there's going to be a different way to do things like um what was that two two souls or uh, i can't remember the name of Tale it. Tale two souls no no it's that one with the the juno chick who's beyond two souls beyond two souls thank you yeah that one you you have to play that multiple times because you can do so much well, and, and you get different information too. I mean, even one of the endings has 
it involves you answering a phone and the phone will say different things each time you do it so i mean there's it's almost because they've said that this isn't actually part of the main game it's kind of a prequel um or at least kind of setting up a a mood and showing you kind of how the engine is going to work um but uh yeah it's definitely giving little hints at what the game is about like um i won't spoil too much but like we're pretty sure it's going to take place in like louisiana or the south just by the setting and some of the stuff you find out by reading you know little tidbits around the house and stuff so you know it's worth playing through multiple times because you don't get the whole story unless you do it multiple times and uh i i think that it's it's a good trend overall um to kind of give you that chance to well let's try it this way and see what we get you know the information might be a little bit different you can get some more clues and and figure things out i mean some of the puzzles required you to do stuff that you couldn't do normally unless you happen to look in this one place at this right time we happened to livy happened to spot this lockpick behind a you know uh, a, a washing machine or something like at a random time and that totally changed how we were able to, to to progress the demo so i mean it was it was really interesting and you know even though you can beat the demo once you know how to do it in like five minutes we sat at it for like an hour over that five minute thing trying different things and getting different endings and, and results it was actually really enjoyable oh awesome it's also vr compatible in that Oh shit! Could be no, no, yeah. not doing it. No, like the rooms are black. You have basically a flashlight, um, so you can't see anything except what you're directly looking at. And I'm, they love to pull I'm shit calling over. best YouTube videos forever when this comes out. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna have to get it because it, like I said, it's such a great 180. I gotta try it out, and I'm I'm planning on getting PlayStation VR. So I, I would can, I would pay cash folded money. To put, that, to put a VR headset on like my mom and have her play this game in the show. We'll, we'll have to record the gameplay and then me playing the game outside, like <laughs> a video of me sitting in my chair doing it. We'll, <clears throat> we'll, we'll, we'll watch me freak out because like I said, I'm, I'm a total wuss when this, it comes to this stuff, but I, I do enjoy it. So it'll, it'll be good stuff. Yeah, I have to pass on that. <laughs> you, 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 you can suffer vicariously through me because it's going to be great. Oh yeah, no, I, I I had some friends who made me when um uh what was it? Alien Isolation came out. Oh. Um, they said they put me in in, in the basement. And they said, "Here, play this game." And I said, "Okay." So I played it. They shut off all the lights and sat behind me and cackled like a bunch of little girls. Uh, as I as I trooper through that game, fuck that. It reminds me of the first time I played uh, Slender: The Arrival with my brother, and we're both sitting here and literally freaking the fuck out because I'm like, I'm like, what's the thing of it? I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, he's falling out of his chair. I'm freaking out, you know. Like, <laughs> this this horror stuff drives me nuts, but it was yeah. pretty fun. Oh my god, going back to Bethesda really quick. Um, it, it seemed like E3 this year had a lot of uh, a lot of VR stuff, um, which is good. Um, but I think Bethesda was saying that they're going to bring Fallout 4 to the Vive, and then as next year, and then the year after that, Doom is going to come to the to the VR. Um, not entirely sure how I feel about that. Um, I mean, I guess immersion-wise, uh, Fallout would be really good um, in VR. But I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on on that, or just the VR trend in general that that we've been seeing? Uh, a couple things. I, I like that they're, that Sony in particular is pushing, hey, we, we're going to have 50 games that are VR compatible on launch of the, the headset so people can go and and you know feel that they're going to actually have good content for the, the headset if they buy it, particularly since a lot of it is, um, kind of like you said in, in, in an example of the Fallout one, that if I like Fallout, you know, I've got Fallout 4, I enjoy it. They go, well, now you can experience Fallout in VR. You don't need to buy the game again. You're, you're already good to go. Um, and I think that's a real positive for the, the peripheral, because I think that a lot of the issues that you had with, um, like, let's say the PlayStation Move, um, which was, you know, a cool concept, the motion controller. The problem is that the games were either, they had very little... Um, 
interaction with the move. Like it was very superficial. Like you didn't really need to, or it was just you know you're wiggling it around. It doesn't actually do anything. Or it was um, move required, and people were unwilling to uh, purchase the game because they didn't know. You know, I'm not going to buy a peripheral if I don't know if I'm going to like the games that come with it. And I think that it's much smarter that they're going to go with existing games and go they're they're VR compatible, um, particularly very popular games like uh, Fallout and Skyrim and, and Resident Evil. Um, even Final Fantasy 15 is going to have, um, it, to some degree, a, a, a VR um, mode, and I think that that's going to really help push the hardware because right now Sony's in a good position. They've got the best, they got the well, sorry, at least the cheapest hardware for the the VR headset. Um, the specs are, you know, decent enough. They're not top of the line, but they're 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 certainly passable. And I think if they can really, you know, encourage people to to try the headset and and get it out there, especially with games that are VR compatible, it's going to be really good for the the, the sales. I think of the hardware. Final uh, Fantasy 15 looks like a sausage fest. Um, if you've played the demo and watched the stuff, you you would know it's it's really not. Um, it, just the, the way the story is is set up, it's it, it's not really a sausage fest. It's really just a, a, a couple of friends. You know, you you can actually, uh, despite what I think, you can actually hang out with guy friends, and it's not gay. Uh, I, I know it might be confusing for some, but it's really just four guys going on a road trip, pretty much. Um, but yeah, the, the VR for that looks pretty cool. There is one character who is not one you normally control, but he fights with a pistol. And the the trailer they showed is basically you can play segments of the game at the very least um, from his perspective with the VR pistol. And that looks that looks pretty cool. I'm not sure if it's going to be a a full game experience, but at the very least, again, it's kind of something that they can go, hey, you know, try out our system, try out our game. Um, it's a different way to experience, and I think that's going to be great for for selling the headsets. Going back to Sony, I, I I will say they do have the the console market um, as far as VR is concerned, and you know you're spot on, Pokey. I do think that that will help them, especially with Microsoft's uh, with with Project Scorpio being VR, you know, ready at launch, being like a year off or so. Um, and I, I think now is is absolutely the time for Sony to to get in there with their VR and just dominate for at least a year. Yeah, at least until the Vive or the uh, Oculus come down in price. I think the price point for the Vive PSVR is, is win on PC so hard. Yeah, I, I Oculus agree with that. has screwed themselves in so many ways. Well, the the, the connection to Steam is going to be an absolute powerhouse for them. They were smart to, get, to nail that down. Anybody else? Anything else? I'm actually gonna bounce, guys. Um, so I, it's thanks for the talk. I wish I could stick around longer, but uh, it is Father's Day, so I, I've got to go hang out with my my dad, and my grandpa. So, um, yeah, thanks for being on the show, everyone, and I will talk to you all later. All right, any shouts before you go, Pokey? Uh, no, I'll give a shout to my dad. Um, it is Father's Day. He's a pretty cool dude, and he's pretty pretty nerdy, so that makes him pretty cool. So, <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so thanks, guys. Adios. And so, uh, one last round for E3. Anybody, any final shots? All right. Awesome. Um, is there anything that anybody, you know, was, you know, playing or watching um, that wasn't E3 or anything? Uh, I would say the only thing I've been doing game-wise is probably getting some Overwatch in. Uh, there, there's nothing out there right now that's actually holding my interest other than that game, I think. It's because Overwatch is the only game. <laughs> it's let's true. not talk too crazy. I will say this, though. It's it's pretty wicked good, though. They're, oh, they're going to come up with competitive play for Overwatch. I'm very excited for this. What is this? Tell us about this. Oh, no, they're, they're already, they're already uh, ramping it up for the esports for ESLs right now. Oh, I mean, God. It, it's probably going to be you know, probably the, the the big thing coming up in the next year for uh, ESLs. Kind they're gonna, they're just gonna, they're gonna, gonna have a new mode. They're gonna implement a ranking system, all that good stuff. And it's gonna be a lot more interesting of gameplay than a lot of others because there will be so much hero switching mid mid match, which is something that most other competitive games do not allow. Do you like getting special perks or whatever for leveling up? Do we know? They're gonna let your guns be uh, golden or something like that. Yeah, there's going to be special sprays and golden guns and stuff if you're, like, one of the top competitors or something. Cool. Okay. Um, anybody? Anything? Uh, I never... Did any, Has anyone ever talked about... I mean, I know you guys have talked about Overwatch. Do you guys ever, like, I don't know, mention your favorite Overwatch characters to play or any of that stuff? Mercy. Mercy's the only good support. 
I've been doing a lot of mm. Reinhardt personally. It's because um, I enjoy um, taking people off the cliff with me. It's the best oh, way to get. Oh, I love that. It's dude. the best way to get oh, rid of oh, May. Oh. Is just like don't try and kill May. You'll fail. Just just pin her off a cliff. It saves time for everyone involved. Yeah, I've really been enjoying. I May was one of like the last characters I discovered. She's a lot of fun to play. But I was I was doing Reinhardt today actually, and I was doing like consecutive May like May takedowns with Reinhardt. It was pretty fun too. Yeah, the, I don't really have like a like a go-to character. Like I think that's one of the things I truly enjoy about the game is I will mix and match all of them. Uh, if you look at if you go to like my stats and you look them up, you'd see a very even break of uh, of characters that I use. There's a few that I, I've I kind of played early on quite a bit, like depending on if you know the game mode or whatever that we were in. And there's a couple that I that are on my list to to get more more reps in with. Uh, but I generally, you know, over the course of like a morning, like say I play like, you know, like three hours or something like that, I will touch at least seven or eight different characters pretty easily, depending on the ma- like some maps I like using, like even if it's an offensive offensive match, if you start as the attacker, depending on the map, I will pick a, a character that I like playing on that map. And that's what I found is that I can go with a lot of different options. So usually like on offense, I tend to use uh, Reaper quite a bit if you've got vertical maps um, because you can you can drop down and flank very, very easily. Uh, I've gotten I've gotten pretty good at understanding the maps that way. Uh, I like Winston actually. if you get if you have a team that plays like a lot of snipers or you're on a map that has a lot of long range shooters on it, uh, Winston is actually if you play him right, that's his that's kind of his niche is the hunt down the long range shooters and it works really well. Um, I, I actually kind of really like uh, Symmetra. Uh, I find that, you know, that's a, that's a fun kind of support class to play Symmetra. Torborn a little bit more, he's a little bit more kind of shooty shooty, but Symmetra, you, you actually have to do some smart gameplay. Mercy is as good of a logi as you're going to find in any game. Um, Reses the whole team in one big, yeah, that's in one big that's, that's wicked. Right? Um, and I think Zenyatta is actually um, overlooked a lot. Zenyatta and Lucio are incredibly powerful if you have somebody who knows how to play them. Lucio's fun. I like Lucio a lot. Yeah, well, I can tell you, Olympus Way, if you're if you're playing defense, what you really like, this is the part where I've I've actually I've played with a couple guys, you know, uh, routinely for about the last week. You know, like at least there's about three of us, and, and if any two of us are on, we'll try to link up on Overwatch. What what we've what we've got down to is we're starting to, to develop some tactics and and I could see if you had like a pool of like six got you know six folks that could play routinely where you could get a, a full team in you could really come up with some pretty creative stuff so like if we're on defense one of us will always play Lucio usually one of the one of the other guys he's very good with Lucio because of the speed boost so you get to the point fast to the defense point and then you actually yeah. set, you know so like we'll change on the fly based on how we're doing it. So if you're in Gibraltar or whatever that, the Gibraltar map is one of my favorites, you can use the speed boost from Lucio, get all the way to the entrance point for, you know, the spawn point for the attacking team set up like, you know, sentry turrets, Torborn turret and, and get into a, like a good firing position with like your snipers, like Hanzo or whoever. And you can absolutely pummel people trying to come out of that thing and then you cover all those turrets with reinhardt shields absolutely yeah i mean or you just sit, sit at the door and make them come to you um there there's a lot of cool ways that you can do that and then if you're on the, if you're the guy on the inside and you watch them doing that like we'll we'll figure out real quick hey what do we see on the other team and then we'll counter we'll counter character inside the spawn point as we're waiting for the clock to tick and i i think Again, you know, I think Zell hit this dead on. Blizzard takes play, takes types of games or uh, styles of games, lets them maturate for a long time out in the out in the wild, and then they they simplify it and they distill it to what can work really well. Like the amount of time you have in the spawn point is almost perfect. It's it's almost exactly one minute if you count it down. That's enough time to figure out who's who, like see what formulate a strategy. And then you're right into the action and, and you're in a place where you can quickly adjust your strategy if it's going south right out of the gate. So like that's, that's, I would say instead, instead of favorite characters, 
I, I generally like all of them depending on what I'm doing with them. Now, the ones that I now there's a couple that I, I just I, I haven't there's so many characters that, you know, I haven't really got hands on them yet. Um, what's the uh, the big female Russian Zariah? I keep wanting to say that. I think it's I think it's Zarya. Sorry. <laughs> the same way. Her her like abilities just don't last long enough. It's so she's big. like my least favorite. They don't, but I tell you, I've seen some people actually ha- straight housed other teams with her though. Oh um, yeah. I I can't do it though. Like I just haven't put the time in on it. Um, you know, there's there's some of them that I like. She's one that I haven't put a lot of effort into. Lucio, I haven't. Um, I I haven't really messed around with Hanzo and Genji a whole lot. You know, you know, which are two fairly popular characters, mostly because I've, I've been trying to get good. At least I'll try to get good at as many characters as I can to have. It's like more clubs in the golf bag kind of thing. So I, I kind of, you know, I'm. That's what I love about the game. Actually, I was trying the. Yeah, I was I'm trying sorry. Hanzo during the uh, brawl that was just Hanzos and Genjis. I don't know if anyone ever has been trying those brawls. I thought they're they're pretty wicked. This, this <laughs> last week's was awful. The All Soldier seventy six one. Um, it was just there was nothing. It was all first mover advantage guarantees a win pretty much, and and there's really no way to counter each other's abilities because you, you you're all the same. You, you know what that was, right? That was their uh, that was their. Oh, you like some Call of Duty? I got some Call of Duty for you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's yes. I really like the weekly brawl where they force everyone to pick a random hero. That was an awesome. That, that was cool. Brawl. No, that, and- that was when I fell with May. She, she, I was kind of playing around with her this, this morning a little bit. Um, her mood, her, I did not have a really good appreciation for how creative you can get with some of her, like her different moves. So, like, I kind of lucked into it, but we're on the uh Temple of Anubis map, you know, where and we were defending, so they kind of really get canalized as they come to you, uh, in a couple like entry points, like under the pillars and stuff. So the whole team, like, like, well, at least four, maybe five of them were all moving through one, through one quarter. I actually mistimed where I wanted to put the ice wall. I was trying to put the ice wall in front of them to slow them down. It popped up right behind them. Then I just got her super. So I, I had them pinned in front of me. I threw this little super, super blizzard maker out in front of them. They couldn't run away because they ran right into the ice wall. So it nailed five of them right there. And I was like, aha, that's a tactic that I'm going to save. <laughs> like, instead of putting it in front of them to slow them down, you trap them where they can't get away. And I, I was like, I hadn't thought about that. And that's that worked out pretty good. I was playing Reinhardt recently, and I had uh, I used the ultimate. I managed to knock down, like, two enemy characters, but there were still, like, four other dudes who could have shot at me as I went to, like, pick on them. But whoever was on my team as May put a wall in between me and those four other characters, so I was just able to like pick on those two dudes that I just done the ultimate on, and then those rest of the guys. We already had the point at that point; they didn't have time to do anything. It was awesome, and I think one of this game's most classic combos has got to be uh, just like Mercy, Reinhardt, and a turret. Now you just get those three things together, and it's just like it's game over. I do, I do enjoy parking uh, Bastion, a Reinhardt as a shield on top of the uh, the escort thing. That's just that's just win. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy that. Uh, but there are a couple. One of the things that I really wish that there's actually some maps I wish they would tweak. I I don't know if they have statistics on it. I'm sure they do, but I do feel that both uh, Hanamura and um, Temple of Anubis are both way too heavily slanted in favor of the defense. Uh, you know, I I was kind of wondering about that too, though. Like, like it'd be really cool. To, to get like map data and stuff like that to see how that works. But I've, I have not found one that I, I have not, I, me personally, and it's, I mean, it's anecdotal at best, but I have not found a map that I thought was too slanted one way or the other. And the reason I say that is that once I started playing with other characters, you find like, because of their play styles, you find other ways around the map. Like that's like on the, like if I wanted to attack the Anubis one, the, the, the first, objective that you have to take is in my mind the toughest one but as you get deeper into the temple it's actually there's a lot of ways to get that, around that people. last defense point of an at anubis it's it seems almost easy to hold it for a solid eight minutes i well okay so here's here's the thing about that everybody generally gets canalized onto that main platform as they run in or they'll, they'll kind of mess around on the sides but if you have a character that can like if you have tracer reaper um, or or even Farah or something like that, where you can get way into the back uh, real quick. 
you can actually flank them and cause they, cause the defenders usually get canalized as well. So everybody's looking basically 12 o'clock, six o'clock right at each other, but you can actually get onto the flanks real, real easy. In fact, I did that with Reaper today. Like I, I literally just I teleported off to the side, walked right up. And then I walked, I literally, they were literally like the entire team's facing out away from me, shooting at the people on the far side, walked right up behind them, hit the super, wiped out four of them before they got me. And that allowed our team to just kind of move in and retake the point. It's, there's a lot of ways around that one. But again, I would not have found these if I hadn't started really looking to take advantage of uh, some of the other characters' movesets. Like Genji's really good for that too, by the way. It's like if you want to actually figure out ways to get around Genji uh, and Farah, they are the ones that you can really exploit map, like the maps on in terms of, and I mean in a good way, exploit. But again, that's, I mean, that's purely anecdotal though. I mean, I can, I can certainly see where some of the maps, depending on the composition of the team, it could, it could get real ugly. Well, I mean, the problem is, is, you know, is I'm, I'm not playing with friends most of the time and I've, you know, a couple people I play with sometimes, but I, I feel like it's slanted by default and sure there may be strategies that a good team could exploit, but in a non-competitive environment, they don't get exploited. Okay. No, I, I mean, I can understand that. I'm one person. There's only so much I can do. No, no. And, and you know, there's something to that. I, I think one of the things I've found about this game is that uh, even though I don't like, I don't like group up with a whole lot of people on it, like, you know, like randoms and stuff. There's a lot of, like the game is simple enough that people can very quickly figure out what they need to do on a map. You know, like if you, if like, if there's a guy that likes to play Reinhardt a lot, he generally will know how to make Reinhardt effective on whichever, whichever map he's on. And then even if I can't talk to that person, I can work around him. Once I, once you can, you can tell pretty quick if they kind of know what they're doing. I can work around that person and, you know, it's, it's good teamwork. So I, I would refer to it as like, you know, not having quite the the same blueberry effect that you got out of something like dust. Yeah. But then there's also people taking Reinhardt purely because they want to charge into people. They don't even know they have a shield. Come on. I mean, Uh, what, why not? Why wouldn't you just charge into people, man? Come on. uh, Cause you could put a shield in a turret and then just win. That's fun too. Sometimes, but I mean, you know, there is a true primal joy from uh, charging people off cliffs. There is. I can't really fault people for it, but I'm like, I want, I want a shield. I want something to shoot behind. Eh, yeah. I mean, there's it's probably because you're a bastion, aren't you? Maybe, maybe a little bit. I, I bastion quite a bit because it's fun. I don't I, care. How, I don't care how much people hate me for it. It's enjoyable. I actually like. I, when, I, I like when people play bastion. Bastion, actually. <laughs> The, well, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, those little tool tips, like in the in-between match tool tips are pretty handy. Like I didn't realize till about, you know, gosh, maybe a week ago that when Bastion goes into turret mode, he's got a huge, like critical, critical spot on his, like his entire hitbox on his back. If yes. you hit him from the rear, yes, he he's like damn near insta-popped. And I'm not sure about the- but I actually think those tooltips when you die are actually, I, I, they look like they were actually uh, chosen by how you died or who killed you. I'm pretty had, sure they were. They might be, though. I don't think, I, I'm not, I'm not, they're not, they might not be exact, but it does seem like they were kind of like tailored towards giving you a tip relevant to whatever your last death was. That's pretty slick. If, if they if they actually did that, that's actually really smart. Uh, it's a It's a good use of it, but I, Actually, do you read those? They're they're usually relatively helpful, uh, you know, until you you know kind of pick up whatever it is. But like that's there's a lot of little things like that in the game that you can pick up that are pretty handy, actually. I do feel like I I love turrets in Overwatch, but I do feel they're uh, like symmetrics are fine, but like I some like the Torborn turrets, I abuse them horribly, and I think they're they're a little overpowered for taking on you know, an enemy team that's not coordinated. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but isn't that the same with almost any, I mean, isn't that the same with almost anything though? Like if you have people on the other side that aren't working together or really aren't, aren't, aren't matched well, you, you can play almost any character and, and house them. Like if somebody doesn't know how to use mercy, like, and the other team does, that's, that's going to be a rough day for them. Yeah. But I mean, the turrets are just, are just like, if they don't really combo with the Reinhardt, it's it can it can take you know a long time for them to take 
down a turret. And then if they do, I'm just replacing it pretty freaking quick, you know? Yeah, I mean, and usually my uh, honestly, my answer to most turrets is for uh, I mean, that works really well. Or believe she's it or not, my answer too. But even, yeah. even sometimes it still feels like the range on that thing is is really long it can, on yeah, the enemy no, turret. It, it, it can it be it can, can still be. be tricky even with Farah. No, I'm I'm totally with you on on that. I mean, I'm just like that's my things. Like I see I see the turrets is they're useful. Uh, and there's a lot of cool ways to use them, but there's a lot of ways to to get around them though. Uh, I mean, that's and they're actually, and frankly, if you get up onto them, you either shoot them from really long range or really short range because there's not that much HP on them and there's no way to buff them, really. Other than, you know, like uh, Torborn's his, like, innate buff he gets. Molten core. So, yeah, so there's there's really no, like, like mo- the problem most people have with turrets is that they run in, is that mid-range point. Because if you, you can either snipe them, and that works very effectively, or you can... Uh, your junk rats actually really good at taking them out too, but it's that transition point, or you can get like really up close with them. If you can like, like reapers really good on that one. Roadhogs, not fast enough usually, but you can kind of flank them. But if you get up onto them and do some, some damage real quick, uh, they, they pop pretty quick. I'm not, I'm not that concerned about them. My favorite thing is uh, when you have a match with like a Bastion, a Tajborn, and then like Symmetra hiding turrets everywhere, and it's just like, ha ha ha, good luck attacking us, because you will find turrets no matter where you go. Yeah, well, and that, that's, you know, that's where, to me, that's that's actually a good thing when people, uh, when people actually coordinate a little bit and figure that, it's, that stuff out. Like, we had a, I had a good match this morning. Uh, I was playing Symmetra, there was another guy playing Torborn, and then there was... You know, whichever other random characters were in there, but me and the Torborn guy, like we basically we linked up very. It's like you know, I like the way they do matchmaking, where you basically have kind of um, Destiny style, where it's like the same same twelve people, and you just swap sides back and forth, you know, depending on win losses and or and or play performance. So me and this guy, like after about two or three matches, we'd figured out that like okay, when we're on defense, I'll play Symmetra and he plays Torborn, and then we would coordinate where we put our turrets. Uh, the centuries and, and his turret at and it actually is pretty is pretty damn effective i've played on teams with six torborns and uh no that, that is that, stupid and that shouldn't be allowed and the game needs to be patched to fix that that's it dumb. it works it it works dude it works six torborns forget i know it. that's why it's stupid it should be, there should not be multiple of a hero on a team that would be kind of hard. Uh, the pro- I think the problem is it's going to be hard to walk walk back from that right now. I I'm annoyed they didn't do it before it finished it like hit release because it really should have. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I can I can totally see where where you're going with it. I, I I'm actually kind of okay with. We, I've played played in a couple of matches where you had like not six, but there's like three or four. I think the most I've seen is four. Again, I don't like I don't mind that too much because once you get past the turrets you're you're gonna house them i've done uh i've done uh against six mccrees before that was stupid the entire game was it's high noon it's high noon it's high noon it's high noon i wanted to stab someone by the end of that match <laughs> no i can totally see that apparently they've they've toned him down this week ner- he got nerfed I him and uh, Widow Maker got nerfed, and those were and and that was primarily due to their performance in uh, in PC too, not necessarily a console. It might have only been the changes were only to PC. I don't remember. Well, it, okay, so the way they the way they stated is that they're taking effect immediately in PC, and that they expect these changes to to be rolled into the next console update. Okay, the, and that's because they have to pay for console updates. Right. Now, the, the flip side of that, though, is like, I don't see, there's actually not, like, I have not seen that many people playing McCree on the console. I think if you're, like, keyboard and mouse, like, I can see keyboard and mouse because that works a lot better with, like, you know, basically sniper-type sniper characters like McCree and uh, Widowmaker. I could see that being, they're, they're probably more useful there. Um but I don't really see like a bunch of people running McCree. In fact, I rarely see people running McCree, at least on, on PS4. Yeah, I think that's probably a control method thing. All right. That's you... why Overwatch, you'll probably never see like the sort of cross-play stuff like they did with Rocket League, where you can have console and PC players playing against each other. Yeah, that, that's pretty fair. I mean, yeah, there's there there are enough characters where 
like uh, pinpoint control doesn't matter though. That that's kind of interesting. I like the line. I think Junkrat has some line that he says at some point where it's like, oh, I don't really care about aiming. <laughs> yeah. Some some of the some of the character voices, you know, sort of the little subtle story stuff that they put in are absolutely hilarious. Uh, you guys got anything else for tonight? Uh, oh, yeah, I do actually. Uh, so the free games for Xbox One came out, and one of them was The Crew, that open world racing game. Man, fuck that game. <laughs> it was fucking retarded. It's awful. That's why it was free, buddy. It has a story, and the story's like, okay, picture the most like stereotypical street racing movie ever. That's essentially the story, quote unquote, of the crew. It's oh, so bad. Dialogue's so predictable, but the exploration is actually really interesting. Like driving around from just all over the country, is, it's really pretty. But that's about really the only thing, the only good thing that I found in the game. I'm I'm actually surprised by how many decent games I've got out of that free Xbox Live service. Oh no, I like I, I like the service a lot. I've had it for six months now, I guess, and it, it's pretty good. It's got some good games, but damn, that game was hard. I also started watching uh, FX's The Americans. That's a really good show. Everybody should watch that show. That's all I got though. Alrighty. Well, my favorite show has one episode left, so. Um, it, ends it ends on, on Tuesday, Tuesday, I think. For the season or forever? Series. What show is this? Uh, Person oh, of Interest. Oh, that's right. And Person of Interest started at a, uh, you know, mildly procedural take on, uh, you know, what you can do with a, a massive government surveillance system and has turned into a uh, war between artificial superintelligences. Um and and has has definitely gone full sci-fi. So it, it it's been a really cool show. It's developed really well over the last five seasons. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else from you guys, or you want to move into shoutouts? I think we can move into shoutouts. I mean, we're about what an hour in. Yep, that's probably about right. Yeah, I think shoutouts. We should do that. Okay. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Father's Day. Uh, I really appreciate uh, really appreciate the, that since I, I get to celebrate that day too. My uh, my son got me uh, eight, seven years old, and he was uh, he was very excited for Father's Day. It's just, he's kind of old enough to kind of understand what it is, so it's pretty cool. He took me out to he took me out to lunch today, obviously with my money, but it worked out well for him. Uh, so shout out to him. So that's that's good stuff. Heracles, what's your shout-out, man? Uh, shout-out to my friends, IRL, who made me go outside and get a sunburn. Shout-out to those people. I'm so sorry, man. I you, you, I complained about sunburn a couple weeks ago, so... <laughs> outside is a pain to all of us in our in, indoor uh, dwellers. Oh, goodness. Here we go. All right, Zell, shout-out. Uh, I'm going to give my shout-out to uh, Anton Yelchin, who... Uh, Apparently passed away today in probably one of the weirdest um, ways I've ever seen. Yeah, um, it was a freak accident. Yeah, that, that is like, I don't know if he was going to get the mail and left the car in neutral accidentally, but this that's like the sort of stuff you see on like B-movie horror is like a death method, and you think, oh, that, that wouldn't really happen. It, it was really weird. Um, and he was, of course, for people who don't know, he was... Um, Chekhov in the new, um, the new Star Trek uh, movies with J.J. Abrams. Um, and uh, only 27, um, actually, is uh, a few months younger than I am. Yeah, he was, and he was reportedly a, a, just a pretty nice dude, too. He, he was apparently nice, brilliant, etc. I mean, yeah. And uh, definitely a favorite of, of people's in the, the cast of the new, new, new movies. Yep. Nah, it's, that's a sad day. Uh, let's see, Livy. Um, I'll do a shout out for Father's Day because it means I get a day off and uh, about going outside and getting sunburned. It's 122 on the thermostat on my car. So oh, screw that. That's going awful. outside. I'm I, becoming a house dweller. Fuck, and I thought 91 <laughs> was bad. No. I've I've been in Vegas in in, in 128 with uh with like long sleeves and pants that were black and so I I yeah, no, that's 
stay indoors for your yeah, safety. I, I, I ask myself each summer, why? Why am I still here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can. I have a certain amount of uh, sympathy for that as well. I, I have fond memories of, well, occasionally fond memories of having to walk around in, you know, 120 to 135 degree heat wearing 65 to 75 pounds of extra stuff. Yeah. They had a deal at my t-shirt store. Four white t-shirts for 20 bucks. I took that deal so I can cope, hopefully. <laughs> it's a technique. That's, oh, a, that's a deal? I mean, this I guess they're $5, deal. but like, go to your local Goodwill or something. Mm. I got a dope-ass mm. shirt from a Goodwill one time. You can do that. They have awesome stuff at Goodwill. It's like $4. Dude, they do, yeah. I got the really uh, trippy That's my That's stuff. my second shout-out is to Goodwill. Go buy stuff at Goodwill. <laughs> Fair point. Okay, let's see. Bait. Shoutouts, brother. I would like to give my shout-out to the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album, uh, The Getaway, that came out on, I think that was like Friday. Yeah. That was a really good album, dude. Oh my god. I enjoyed it so much. Um, let's see. Shout-out to uh, my corpmates in The Incorruptibles. We sat down. We played uh, our first session of Pathfinder um, last night. That was a lot of fun. Um, never thought I'd have that much fun playing a pen and paper RPG. Cool. I like that our dust corps are still a thing. Oh yeah, dude, totally. Love mine. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, Bait, I, I think we've covered everybody, right? Uh, yes. Alrighty. Uh, do you want to close the show, brother? Uh, I can, yeah. I'd like to thank everybody, uh, for listening to, uh, episode 110 of Biomass. Um, see you next week.